Hi, everyone. My name is Dahlia Strum, and you're listening to the Decision Makers Podcast. We're back with season two with a new name, new feel, and all new guests. We're going to be chatting with industry professionals and entrepreneurs about insights, strategies, and behind-the-scenes approaches to support your initiatives. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, everybody. We are back on Decision Makers, and we are here at WeWork Podcasting, and my guest today is James Rosenman from... Andros on Hudson, welcome. Thank you, for, thank you for having me. Good Thanks morning. for being here. So funny enough, we know each other socially, but right. we've never worked together in any capacity. I just think that what you do is always fascinating, right. um, and even more so after our morning conversation, which I so wish we could have podcasted. So we're gonna have to recap a little bit of it. But um, you focus in the healthcare industry. Tell us a little bit about what you do. I think maybe in the future, maybe we, we get these mics and hook them up into the car. So you pick people up, and then when you're driving in, I think about that like all that the car, time. That, you know, not not to copy Seinfeld, but you know that. No, I love it because that's be. when you have such a casual conversation, yeah. right? But you yeah. don't tell them that the mic's there, and so it's kind of like very <laughs> casual. But anyway, I um, next time we're gonna have to do karaoke. Yeah, right, right, right. right. <laughs> um, so I um, I'm currently the CEO at uh, Anderson Hudson, which uh, we call you know AOH, and we are a large skilled nursing uh, post-acute uh, long-term care services provider um, in Westchester County, and have been there for uh, the organization's been there since the early 50s, and um, I came into the organization in. January of this year, so 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 a newbie, yeah, um, and also we moved down so a newbie to Westchester County into the New York area as well. So so for our listeners, what is post acute? Yeah, post acute care is in evolving, just like uh, everything in healthcare is really evolving. And there's something we were talking about in the car, and just in terms of the industry, it's a, a you know three four trillion dollar industry as a whole in in the United States. Some people think that it's lot higher than that just depends about how you define it but within that there's a lot of different uh, layers and one of those layers is post-acute care and generally it is when um, someone has been hospitalized and they're very ill um, and they're in they're not ready to go home but they can't stay in the hospital because the hospital's you know main focus is to get you to a stable state make sure that you're safe to leave and they want you know, to make sure that they get you out safely and they have a bed ready for the next person that needs to come in. Where we really come into the picture is they need a safe handoff to someone who they know is going to be able to care for someone who's very sick, uh, someone who's had a very bad injury, someone who um, has complex, you know, medical issues that, uh, again, that we can handle them in an inpatient setting, um, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in a building. So, inpatient is in facility, kind of like a hospital, um, and that we can take care of them. And um, medically, we can take care of them, give them, you know, physical therapy, occupational, all the things that they need, speech therapy, to get them to um, their highest level that, you know, that we can possibly get them to in terms of, of functioning and so that they can, ultimately, the goal is to have them go, is to go home. Okay. And um, we're just part of the, you know, we're, we're part of the whole kind of universe of healthcare providers. We're a, we're a part of that in terms of what they call like the spectrum of care. So um, that is one piece, uh, one major piece of uh, service that we provide uh, to our patients and to the community. Okay. So after, they're, after they've completed their stay at the hospital, they come to you basically. 
Yeah. Okay. Yep. So th- that is usually the case. And then and then the other side, we have um, we serve a long-term care population for folks who cannot um, cannot go home safely, and we provide care um, for people with varying levels of uh, needs in a long-term setting. So that's one of the things that we currently do right now and, and will continue to do. It's one of our, our main focus areas. One of the areas, just kind of jumping forward a little bit in terms of my role um, at the organization, and it's a, uh, a new role, and it was established to, um, to bring in someone that happened to be me, but to bring in someone, the role was established to look, work on, all right, what's the next 10 years, what's the next 20 years, 50 years, I mean, sure. 50 years, you know, uh, where, um, what are we going to be doing? How do we want to position ourselves what is the the future, um, and how can we make sure that we are um, our trajectory is pointed, you know, in a way that we can um, be relevant in the market um, and provide a level of service and care that that people want and need. So, um, a lot of it's been focused as much on what we do right now, but the strategy and um, what's the best way that we can serve the community that we're in. Would you classify yourselves as a nursing home? Yeah, it's a nursing facility. Okay. Um, and that's uh, what we are right now is a core service. Right. And, yep. You're saying right now. So you're thinking about, like, other areas that yeah. you invest and focus more on. What yeah. does that look like? Well, we have a, a variety of different things on our, on our plate that we're looking at that is could be expanded into other potentially levels of care. Uh, that we could provide, so there are intermediate levels of care in between, kind of the hospital and the um, and the post-acute space or in the long-term space. So we're looking at that. One area that we're very interested in is housing. You know, we know that uh, right now this kind of ho- housing and healthcare cannot be separated. And that's become more and more abundantly clear. That's something that we continue to, that I'm very focused on, I'm very passionate about, but as an industry, we're still learning the best way to do that because there's a lot of socioeconomic issues. There's a lot of kind of uh, issues that surround someone's care. It's not just about their medical care, but it's about the whole person and what's the best way um, that we can take care of them if they have to go home. Is that the best environment for them where their current home? And and this issue, again, between housing and health care, I think it's going to become something that becomes more and more intertwined as the years go on. And we're trying to find the best ways to meet that um, meet that need and also um, can use that as a way of diversifying how we provide services. That's so interesting. So health care in general... While I'm always fascinated by it, um, people, I feel like, have different paths to get into it. And you had a very unique one. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I was lucky enough to hear about it before. But I kind of want you to tell our listeners, how did you get into the healthcare industry? Yeah, so uh, interestingly, uh, my father's a physician. And growing up, he would have these um, books on the bookshelves laying around, uh, they, they call them, like, I think there was the Merck Manual or something where you could read about all the, the diseases, and I think being a 13 or 14-year-old, and because they had a whole, like, picture section about, you know, kind of all the bad diseases, and it's kind of one of those, like, you want to look at it, but you don't want to look at it, and you're just very interested and curious. <laughs> I think that was part of the, the process, you know, but um, of, of these unfortunate people in there, but 
um, but just very fascinating. I mean, medicine as a whole about um, all the different diseases, how we take care of people. And I just, I, I remember just reading those kind of backwards and forwards and being very interested in medicine and how we, you know, provide medicine. I also remember, you know, in high school reading a book uh, on healthcare policy that a professor at Harvard had written, and I didn't understand, you know, half of it, but um, I, I did get the gist of that and understanding that this is a very big, you know, industry, and and there's so many different pieces to it, and that's the fascination and always the interest I've had with it. And so kind of as, as I went on, I, you know, and kind of continued to follow a path and go into college, I was very interested in um, kind of bringing those two together in the interest in medicine, healthcare, and, and how we, from a policy perspective, but also on the business side, how do we make all those kind of blend together? And yeah. so I, from an early on, I was very interested in doing uh, in healthcare management um, you know, from the beginning. And so out of, um, you know, jumping to kind of straight to college, I went to college in Tennessee, uh, which was a wonderful state and a great learning experience. I think that, you know, being part of different parts of the country, you get to be exposed to a lot of different culture. And I think that's, that's wonderful. Um, and I will say a shout out to go volunteers, Tennessee, <laughs> Tennessee volunteer football. Um, but, uh, it was an opportunity to um, continue to, you know, hone in, hone in on the things I was very interested in, and took a lot of different courses that were related to, you know, to the field. Um, and as and when I graduated, interestingly, because you were asking about this earlier, Dahlia, was you know how like how do you get into kind of this field is you don't wake you know you don't as a child you know you're not like I want to be a you know going to healthcare management but I think that it was this idea you know where I'm I've always been very fascinated with just business and I mean just overall so it kind of landed me in that in that field um you know essentially right out of college yeah um and and I was uh, selected by a uh, uh well-known and highly respected um uh company that specializes in healthcare, but also in housing, um, and primarily kind of on-campus housing with a healthcare component in different pieces, and it started with that um, right out of college into, a, again, into a smaller group, and then really learned the ropes from an early age. Literally everything just made so much sense, because this is the company that you started when you were, you started working at when you were 22, 22 and now yeah. I understand you're kind of going back to your roots. Right, healthcare and housing—it all ties in together, and you right. already have that expertise, and you did it for a number of years. Yeah. So, so starting, yeah. So starting out there, really learning, uh, learning the ropes, and was having the benefit of a phenomenal mentor who really took interest in my success. Was there to point out when I was doing well, but but more often when I, you know, stumbled or or you know, just to kind of give a motivational pep talk and say, you know, I saw you did this way. You could have maybe, you know, look at doing this way. One of those things actually was uh, public speaking, uh, which I was not comfortable with at all, at all. I mean, terrified, you know. And, and here I am putting a spotlight on you. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned over the years I've actually gotten to like it, but um, uh, it's, it's one of those things where, he just constantly kept kind of literally, I think in some cases, literally pushing me into in front of the audience. Yeah. And, and we'd have all kinds of different big meetings with, with folks. And uh, 
and kind of just, you know, nervously, um, you know, starting out and then just slowly getting more confidence. But that's when a mentor, and I really can't understate the importance of that for people who are interested in being mentors, who are genuinely interested in being mentors, um, and for people um, who I think are, I'm going to use the term mentee, though that's never been verified if that's a word. It is a word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's mentee. Uh, for people who are really open to receiving that and can receive that kind of positive, constructive feedback. I mean, I think the reality is more people are will, like, especially when you're young and impressionable, you're looking for mentorship. Um, it's more on the reverse side if people are willing to dedicate the time to mentor. It is. Yeah. Are you giving back? Have you been mentoring? I, I really have tried, in, and I really have. Um, and I say try in the sense that I think that it is – it's a learning process too to mentor, um, and that's something that I've actually been uh, focused on. Is how do you, you know, how do you successfully mentor somebody? Are you making sure that you're doing all the right things? And I've, you know, done, you know, read books about it, and I've talked with different people. I've listened to podcasts. You know, I've uh, different things that you continue to try to work on the best way to be a mentor because I think that's something that can take a long time too. Um, and so I, that's why I say I try, and I've. Uh, different people over the years where I've really worked with them closely to try to develop them um, professionally and and have them grow. And I think that's very important, but that's uh, definitely an art and not a science. So, but it's, you know, that's it's a, a work in progress it continuously. Is. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So you were 22, you were put in a role of um, kind of like power, right? Like you had a pretty high role at, at, at that age. Um, you had to make decisions. What are some decisions that you felt impacted uh, your your career trajectory? Yeah, so this is uh, a very interesting situation that I had when I was uh, 22. I had been, prior to that, I had worked under uh, someone directly, which you're required to do before you kind of move into the, you know, an administrator type role. And it's part of a licensure. And so I've been working with that person for a while, and I was really used to kind of leaning on them to say, you know, what do you do? What it, what's the best way to do this? And I remember when I had taken over, um, uh, and it's... It was it, your boss, basically, it, right? And yeah, he was my left. boss, and I really, you know, you leaned on him because I was young and, and, and relatively inexperienced, so, uh, you know, would lean on him. And this is it, it, a little bit more of it, but it's... But it's well, it's I don't a think it's more of it. It's not. It's a reality in our in our in our field. And it's, wait, your boss left at that time. Well, he went on to another opportunity, and so I took over his his. Place. So you were promoted. So I was promoted at twenty two. You yeah. were given a lot of responsibility. Responsibility um, to to take over that, and I remember getting a call um, in in I think it was maybe in the middle of the night, and there was a patient who unfortunately had passed away, and. They're in a room, and usually there's a like a process where you know the, the whole process about where they go and who picks them up and how that's kind of done in a in a dignified and and uh, process oriented manner. And there was the family; it was like they were involved, but at that point they were literally like I think somewhere where they couldn't be reached by phone. They were like traveling. I'm not sure exactly what it was, and. They didn't have the documentation on file for whatever reason uh, to know what to do with with the person's like with the body, and so they called and they said, "We have this body here, and we don't know what to you know what to do with it, um, and we don't know what to do with this this person. And can you 
tell us about what what we should do. And I just remember that distinctly that call because you know it was worked out and and everything you know went well but one of the things was it struck me because the first thing I thought is oh yeah I'm going to call Jeremy and or you know and 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 say yeah what you know what like what am I supposed to what do are the proper can procedures? you tell me yeah. to, like tell me so I can tell them yeah. so I can show that I like um and I remember it striking me like you're in charge and and this is, uh, you know, a decision that you're going to have to make. And it was kind of like a, a, a you know, a, a two by four across the head that just said, like, you know what, you have to start making these decisions. And even though that was kind of a smaller thing, it just it, it kind of woke me up to, OK, you're responsible for what goes on here. And these are, you know, things that happen day in and day out that in some cases for people that are big decisions, very big you know, decisions that go on. And so you're you're in charge and. I mean, at 21, yeah, at 21, you're being told that you're an adult. But the reality is, are you really an adult? Do you have enough life experience to be an adult? I'm not 100% sure. So at 22, you're being told that you are in charge. <laughs> you have a lot of responsibility. I mean, the good and news is you could go out and get a drink. Yes, afterwards. that is the good so news. So that is a positive, you know, about that. Yeah. So being after 21, you know, after you get that all sorted out, you can have a drink. But but, but, but that's like a harsh reality. No, seriously, no, it it, it is. But... I think that it's those type of experiences where that mold people, you know, and you hear that all the time. It's like these experiences where people, you know, cut their teeth or whatever those expressions, you know, are. Um, and I'm not even sure what that cut that cut the teeth. I, I get it, but I'm not sure where that came from. I'm not sure where it came it from either. But you're pleasant, right, right? Like you, know? you had to grow up very quickly. quickly. You had to mature into your role, and and you had to say, okay, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to stand behind it, and this is we're going to have to set up proper procedures and protocols moving forward. And just you know, even having unfortunately, and it happens from time to time, just like anywhere where you have to you know let an employee go and being part of a first termination. And I just remember walking in there and just just terrified you know and i think they could sense it you know probably on my face and you know you want to be as you know uh, in in charge and and you want to make sure that you're being as professional as possible which you always try to be but um i think they could they could sense that and you're kind of stumbling through you know stumbling through a little bit of that but you know those things are very important sometimes you just have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations to learn I and, agree. I mean, I know it, th- that's a little, you know, you hear that all the time, but but it's it's so true. I mean, truly uncomfortable situations, and that is some of the only way that you can learn things. And grow. I think, th- so, like, even for me, I put myself in com- un- uncomfortable situations every single day because I feel like that's the only way that I grow. And it's, it's also the only way that I thrive, right? Like, I right. need it. I feed off of it. Um, I think that when you become very, like, consistent and reliant, you, sometimes you become complacent. And... Complacency is, is, I mean, if you look at, and this is in healthcare, but everywhere else, complacency is, is, that's the end of the road for a lot of if you can't really step that around I mean you can point to so many different examples and I think it's because yeah people have become more comfortable they become they don't want to they don't want to get out of their comfort zone they are in a, something that they believe works and and then it comes to the end of the line there's right. always the end of the line you know unless you kind of change course and you got to continue to change course and and uh, I think it it allows people to being uncomfortable again allows you to want and be able to uh, 
um, take more calculated risks and and know you know the best way to kind of change course when you need to change course and know that ultimately at the end of the day that a lot of times you know I can't quantify this but there's a lot of success stories with that too and there are failures with that too but it's it's definitive in many cases if you don't make those that choice you know you're gonna fall you go to the end of the line so, right um, so you're 22 you have all of these decisions that you have to make you have to grow up real fast um, how did you get from that place to where you are today so I I served um, at that uh, specific organization I think for five years or so and then I was asked to move so I was in North Carolina at the time and I was asked to move to um, uh, to Boston area um, and I, I I moved up to Boston. Um, it was actually a snowstorm going on. And I remember pulling up. This is just a funny Boston thing. I remember pulling up and uh, to where I was supposed to park. And I remember it being very odd that there were, like, lawn chairs out. And, you know, people put their lawn chairs out to, when they dig out of space to, like, save their space. But I didn't know that. And that's a very, like, Boston thing. So, so I remember, oh, like... True? Yeah, it's it's true. So yeah, at least the section where I lived. But so I remember like, oh, this is weird. I think somebody just like left their lawn chair out. Like, so you picked it up I and you moved it. I picked it up and I remember this lady coming out and I won't repeat it on here, but it was just, it was it, basically I put the lawn chair back like really quickly. I got in my car, you know, with my North Carolina license plate and my rear wheel drive and kind of like slid it down the street <laughs> to try to find a space. And and that was my, you know, intro to the Northeast. But it's... Um, I don't really understand the uh, the lawn chair concept. So wait a second. So that's your way of reserving it. But what happens if it flies away? What happens if it hits a car? Like, so confusing The to lawn me. chair? Yeah. I think they've over the years have developed a very elaborate systems. You know, they're like weighted down. They've got very like sophisticated. You know, they don't appear to be, but they are. They've got a whole system. Wow. And and obviously a very good surveillance system, much better than any alarm, whatever. Because the second I moved that chair, they were out the door. Wow. And I split. Wait, where was her car? Why wasn't her car parked there? It's a very good question. I don't. Know. You know, that's one thing. And and. That's why you're the brains of this. Uh, <laughs> that's a very good question. You know, what were they saving it for? Just uh, seems a little. I don't, I don't know. All I know is I left as fast as possible. Okay, so 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 that's so that's the beginning of Boston. So yep. I I uh, I started a new role there, um, right outside of Boston, where I, I took over the um, kind of the day to day operations and a kind of a chief operating officer role. Uh, type role in the organization. How old were you around this time? Uh, I was um, maybe 20, uh, maybe 27. Awesome. So you were COO at 27 years old. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think my hair had started to turn gray already. Yeah. And, and Either that or you started losing it. I don't know. It, well, it may be a combo. <laughs> it may be a combo. You're going to get like a gray... You know, and if you know anybody who's in the market for gray toupee, <laughs> but like with shades of no, 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 it's trash. So <laughs> it's a whole other kind of market. Maybe you could talk about it another time. But I, I, um, <laughs> but I, uh, I started out, um, and a, a wonderful organization, really well grounded, great foundations. But it was again, it was in the need of a repositioning, in need of all right, what do we do next? As we talk about kind of like getting toward the end of the line, okay. We've done this for a long time. What's the next step? 
That should, by the way, be added to your LinkedIn bio or at least your headline. Like, you are the guy that they bring in when they talk about what's next. What's right? next, or at least, yeah, at that point, really supporting what's next, but also developing and being part of what's next. And yeah. It's interesting. Um, um, You're the what's next guy. What's next? I don't know if there's a <laughs> trademark with that, but we should. We should yeah, write. we should yeah. do something with that. Yeah. Um, and so, really coming in to diversify services again, learning. Uh, new things that we hadn't done before. I think you set up like a medical clinic and other pieces, um, but really working on uh, the operational components, really working on um, trying to bring on new service lines and making them consistent with the expectations of our customers, which are high and um, patients and working on the healthcare side and providing a lot of new New services and, and lines as they as the organization seek to really develop its its footprint and expand and and all of those pieces and that was a, a wonderful experience. I learned a lot there, and I think that as you move through your career, for anyone that um, you you gotta you gotta really if you haven't really learned anything brand new from those experiences, that again goes back to the comfort level and being challenged. I think that um, you really need to assess, you know, what kind of what kind of leaps you're taking and where and how and if you're moving from a place to another place, what is, you know, what are the reasons and what can you take with you? Because you're really picking up as you're moving. You're sort of like a train where you have like you know all of the kind of whether it's like flat cars and you kind of load things up as you go. Yeah. And it doesn't so mean, tell us what you what are some of the takeaways like from your first experience, your second. Yeah. So. Uh, I think I think well public speaking uh, clearly was one of those in in the first place, but also really learning to, and this is something that has stuck with me throughout my career is when someone says you're the boss or you're in management. That is just you have this idea in your head. I think especially kid, I'm going to be the boss, just like you know maybe with your siblings, I'm going to tell them what to do and I'm going to say go here. And you really learn quite quickly, or at least you should learn that you're you're just part of a you're part of a, a team and again it's a little cliche but it's it's you can't if you if you work like that if you work in this kind of hierarchical role and you kind of you know look down or push down or delegate everything down it, it doesn't work you know nothing works like that I mean there's a hierarchy to every organization but um, building that respect and building rapport among um, employees and people that you work with is just absolutely essential so learning and and learning from them truthfully like I one of my things is I wanted to learn how to like operate like a a commercial like healthcare dishwasher and I totally jacked it up like I jacked up the whole thing like I put my hands where like in somewhere I'm not supposed to like in the chemicals and I got like scolded but I wanted to learn because you know if you don't how can you how can you how can you kind of speak to anything if you don't really understand what what it is that people are doing all day? I agree. I think it's important. I actually think that that's something valuable to learn. But that's uh, and that's important. So basically, about, your your expertise or your experience from that is don't be afraid to get your hands dirty, right? Or be afraid. Or be so, afraid. Yeah, to yeah. Get, no, I'm kidding. Be no. afraid to get but, your hands but, dirty, but do it anyway. But ask questions from a lot of the people that whether they're you know frontline employees or they're frontline people that work with you and ask a lot of questions learn about learn about them learn about um what their drivers are and and what and how their how their role and what they do because i think that um it's important to just 
understand that from a respect perspective and to build that, but it's also important to know what people, you know, are doing. And I think a lot of uh, CEOs that in very large organizations, still the successful ones are still, you know, to the level that they can, they're they're really still, you know, involved in that and still try to make sure that they immerse themselves in that as much as they possibly can. So that's part of that. You talk about that train that yeah. you know, I made up where, you know, you learn those things along the way. And some of it is, uh, you know, um, lear- uh, you know, learning that uh, through interactions, maybe through interactions that didn't go as well, finding new ways to do things. So a lot of that was, I would say, skill building in terms of like, um, like emotional intelligence, learning the best way to kind of interact with people. And it was a boot camp you know, for me, because that's not something that, uh, you know, you get really taught in sure. school. So, I agree. you know, what's, what's the, what, there's that, the, the, you know, the textbook way and what's like the real world way. And then, and then moving on again to, uh, in the Boston area, it was about, um, I had another great mentor, uh, uh, a, um, a wonderful, um, uh, uh, executive, very successful um, a woman who is uh, just dynamite and very high level, very strategic thinking, had a very exceptionally strong kind of um, a way to make people a way to, I, you know, you, they say that kind of like step on someone's shoes without, without, you know, messing up the shine. You right. know, you can kind of, you know, and learn those kind of ways to, de- to deal with that. And so on the strategic part, Again, very very lucky to be coupled with a mentor that genuinely wanted me to do well. Spent a considerable amount of time, you know, with me, and and through that, um, you know, learned a lot of. Um, again, going to the business side and then learning and having the uh, the autonomy and the latitude to really start building things within an organization, setting sure. up new service lines, setting up new kind of departments, setting up new ways to do things, and trying to get. You know, you know, three hundred, four hundred employees, whatever it was, to get them aligned with what you're doing and to get buy-in and really the communication. So all those things to kind of add on to that train as you're as you're moving through. Yeah. Uh, and then along the way, again, with those as you're setting those up, you learn a lot of how to how to best deal with you know uh, government officials and you know regulatory officials and all those things that are so important in our industry as well and and. Uh, that we don't think about as much, but I agree with you, are super important. Yeah. So um, you are the what's next person, right? That's why they brought you in. They really want you to think about, like, the future. Um, when you came in, they had the schools or they didn't have the schools? So they have um, – uh, they did. So okay. um, the organization has uh, a couple of uh, schools that are reside on, on the, in the – in the building on the campus and one of the really 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 cool things and i noticed this from the beginning is that they have a true what they call an intergenerational program where the children in the schools they have a bunch of different things where they interact with uh patients or residents or other people on a regular basis so that they're doing things together so they have uh it's a great you know it 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 infuses a lot of energy in into uh, for especially if someone who is very ill or is kind of you know has chronically ill and is long term. 
it can really be a very bright, you know, bright point in their day sure. to have the kids come in. And they really make it's a true effort, and it and it's a regular effort, and that's where we I think shine uh, brightly is in those programs. So it's been really neat to see that. And to I can totally it. see that. You're not worried. They're not worried about um, like look, we have kids, so like they're not worried about them getting them sick or like their immunity or any of that stuff. Or is that stuff that you take into I think consideration? That, yeah, it takes into consideration is all of the, of all those pieces and making sure if people are sick or right. not that we're being very you know thoughtful about that and how we approach that. So that's something that is taken very seriously. And but but. It's been going on for um, for you know several years now. It's been a very successful you know component of what we do. And sure. as we seek to expand in whatever ways we do, we we are putting that potentially as an element that we want to incorporate maybe into other things that we do. Um, and this idea of um, if we just look at age and, and people that are older and for people that only want to be around people their own age, we know that in a lot of ways that's just not realistic. Right. I mean, it's it's nice to have multi uh, – is to have different generations of folks that you're living, you know, with. I think it's important, housing. right? Yeah. yeah. How old are these kids? Uh, they, I, they range from preschool all the way up, I think, to fifth. Wow, that's fifth amazing. So it's really neat. So and it's a private school. They are private schools, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's it's in a very important element, and it's something that I've um, really come to appreciate and understand. I had not really seen that in action before prior to going to my current organization. So. And is it under the same uh, branches? What's the name of the school? Uh, there's a school called uh, uh, Hudson Lab School and, and Little Leaf School, and they're wonderful, I mean, wonderful schools. The, the folks who, who run those schools, the founders are just, they're so passionate about the education. It's really neat. I yeah. mean, they really, it's a, it's a very, it's a very neat thing to see. And, and they're very passionate, like I said, and they do a great job. Yeah. Kids are just. That speaks to my passions, right? I'm yeah. super passionate about education, um, not only for kids, but also for adults, right? To me, podcasting is another form of education. We're continuously learning from each other. So I think there's so much value in it. And one thing with you, Dahlia, is that, you know, is the mark of someone who's, um, you know, you, you seem interested in a lot of different things. I think that's so important because you was talking about I, I read this, you know, maybe looking at this type of thing to do like this business or looking at this type of or what about, you know, talk a whole kind of array of different things that you're you're interested in. I, and, and the reason I mentioned that is because I think for folks who are emerging leaders or leaders, if you lose that curiosity at some point, I think that the candle's been, you know, maybe Burned. put out. Yeah. yeah. And you have to stay curious. Totally. I mean, I don't know what other way to put it. And, you know, I can just, you know, from the time that we've known you and, um, and then other leaders and other people that I've gotten to know, it's a common theme. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's, like, one specific thing they want to do, but you're just interested in a lot of different things. Yeah. And I think that you don't have to be, you know, uh, an expert in all the things, but just simply wanting to know more. I think it's... It, when you learn from other verticals, mm. there are strategies right. and opportunities so, to reapply that, point. right? So I think that that's, that's how the curiosity stays relevant because you can – I mean, I learn from the food industry all the, all the time. There was a student that came into my class who was uh, doing some analytics on, um, like, the actual food and when it came to the table, um, they they researched it and they had a lot of negative reviews. So basically, 
um, based on the reviews, they kept saying, my food is cold, my food is cold, my, my food is cold. And they needed to get a little bit more granular with that data because they were cooking it. It was fresh. It was coming right from the kitchen. It was being brought to the table. Why was it cold? So, so when you think about reviews, I think that it makes such an impact. When you think about reviews, it makes such an impact on your decisions and really ultimately trust. So they did some research. They found out. They actually went the, like the day of because they tracked it down to the date and like the time frame that there was typically those type of reviews. And they went to the back and they watched everything being cooked and it was put out um, under the heating lamps and then it was delivered to the tables and they were like, okay, something about this just doesn't make sense because it's a typical flow. So what they started to do was they started to put their hand underneath the heating lamps. It turned out the light was lit, but the heat was not emitting from the heating lamp, right? Uh. So like, I think that when you, I'm always fascinated with that because like we just need to think differently. And by the way, the reason that I was saying the thing about the reviews, so I have a Tesla, um, I needed to take it to a body shop. I was a little bit scarred from my last experience at a body shop and I was very hesitant taking it to somebody new because I didn't know them, but they right. were a Tesla certified body shop. So again, what happens is you start to look and research and they had amazing, really good reviews. So at a certain point I was like, okay, I guess we'll try it, right? right. Like, I guess, we don't know them, but I guess we'll try it. So I took it to them and they were very honest. They said, I don't see the issue. I took a video, again, increasing transparency, increasing trust. And on top of that, we gave your car a car wash because we really want you to come back to us. So I thought that that was just an interesting service because every single element, every relationship that we're building is about trust and making sure they come back to you again as so opposed to cool. thinking about it on an individual one-time basis. Mm. So I think that that's the power of reviews because it builds trust to existing potential future clientele. Um, and you also want to think about retention too. What makes people want to come back? This is not an most most things, especially no, most things in general. I was gonna say service based, but most things are not. Um, that we're not built on a silo. You're not just gonna go shopping at one place once. It's just not going to happen. You're going to go hopefully back to that place, and if you had a negative experience, people will hear about it. So I think that that just builds my curiosity based on cross vertical and also cross position. I like to hear what people do. How do they evolve? How do they get to the place that they're at? Um, and how can that impact and support other people. Um, it's funny, I've, I've been doing a little bit of um, kind of like inflection on myself and, and originally I thought I was an educator, right? Because this is what I've been doing for so many years. By the way, by accident, like complete accident. Um, I, I ran my family business for many years and then the president of FIT put me in a meeting with uh, all the deans and said, listen, we really like what you're doing, especially with social media. Would you come teach it for us? So by accident, I fell into education. And I've been framing myself as an educator. The reality is I'm actually a marketer. Like, I really love marketing. I mm -hmm. love connecting with people. I think marketing has a bad rap. I think that when you think of marketing, it has a negative connotation. The reality in marketing to me is connecting with people. I love connecting with people. And how I disseminate information is through education. I think right? marketing is just it's too broad. Yeah, that it feels really broad. It's just such a good general... I mean, what, yeah. I mean, I think most people think of marketing. I, I don't know this, but I think a lot of people will say, well, it's advertising. Right, and it's actually an incorrect or statement. Or like, ma like Mad Men. Yeah, it's you know, such an incorrect statement. Which is, you know, but yeah, because it's, and, and there's there's so many different kind of pieces within that that are really, yeah, so. Yeah. But, um, but, I, but that kind of goes back to like, look, 
I think we're doing a lot of these things uh, based on trust. So when we're learning about other verticals and the more we know, the more it supports our opportunity to z disseminate information and that establishes trust. I think that the more people recommend you, it's another form of establishing trust. So I think that there's so many of these elements. And, and by the way, I appreciate the kind things that you said no, about no, me. No, no, it's true. And, it, and it's, uh, I think pe being around people like that, and, and that's not with you, but uh, not just with you, but with anybody, you know, as we're here at um, is a, a we, we work. work. It there's a lot of like buzz in there and energy, and people feed on that. Yeah, you know, I think it's a lot of why people even come to New York City to live and to work or any place where there's like a lot of activity because people people really thrive on that. You know, it doesn't have to be anything specific, but they just see people that are seeking to do things differently, and they want to they want to aspire and they aspire to do you know bigger things, and they want to solve problems and. And people really, they love that. Yeah, you know? and I especially think you. I think you love solving problems. It is. it is, And I, I think your point about verticals is very, very important and very astute because we have a lot to learn from others that are not within our own industry. And I think that, you know, and this is the case in probably some industries more than others, but um, for us, and this is my opinion, that I think that we sometimes can be a little insular, and we tend to try to learn from each other as, as peers, which is important, but also we are not pulling in, you know, other verticals or other people that are in, you know, leadership roles that can really help challenge and bring in, um, to bring in um, uh, people that can really look at it. They may not be experts on healthcare, but they can see there's so many different elements within healthcare um, and in the housing component of the things and say, you know what, have you thought about this? Can you look at this? And I think we need to do a lot more cross-pollination with yep. that. I mean, I think that's an area just we could use a lot more. Totally. Uh, and uh, I agree. And so it, it, a very good point. Okay, so you've been in this role for 11 months. Yeah. So clearly you definitely know what's next. What is next? <laughs> well, that's something that we're still working on. Okay. Um, and that's something where we um, are still developing a, a, a strategy. You know, we, as we start out, as with any strategy, you're really uh, trying not to sit down. And I'm not knocking this, but for having the typical, you know, the SWOT, you know, the SWOT analysis. And yeah. I, I think there's a, a place for that. but. Sitting back instead of trying to really force like a list out is to really just talk through. Okay, really understand from a lot of different people what's going on. What what are what are you talking to people in the you know in the market areas that you're seeking to serve? You know what's going on there. Really getting on the ground and learning more about that. Um, trying to find um, areas where you know there's a demand and you know that's that needed, and then. Um, and then maybe looking at areas where you could provide something that people don't know that they need yet. Yeah. Uh, you 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 feel like they really do, and that's, you know, that's uh, you know, that's something that we're continually kind of looking at, and and that goes back kind of that those those risk aversion, but sure. but also not being so risk averse where you're not willing to take some, you know, some 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 jumps where you can find something that's a good middle ground where you know people will need it and I think to, but they just need to be more education in the in the market about um, that service whatever it would be so so basically you're in the ideation stage we're gonna have to do a part two as you kind of like work yeah these it's concepts. gonna be really neat we got a lot of neat things and I think that as we continue to move on we'll be bringing in people from again from other from other types of industries um, other areas where we can try to find you know, 
there are some traditional approaches to what we need to do in terms of you know certain areas, but also some uh, potentially novel approaches that that we can take to really ultimately just serve um, you know the community and and provide a better like quality of life uh, for for folks and um, and provide as be- better you know as best care as the best care possible. And I like genuinely believe that sure. I mean, that's just I think that's great I mean there's a, there has to be a business component to it but at the end of the day there's that's not mutually exclusive from from really doing the best that you can do for yeah people so okay so if there was one thing that you learned a lesson that you learned over your entire career um, what's something that you would have done differently or or you feel like you learned from and you would like to pay forward I, I think that uh, one of the areas that I learned very early, but I continue to focus on, and it's again, and I mentioned this earlier, is is to really listen, not to to kind of all the stakeholders, including all the people that you're working with, whether it's your your you know the employees that you work with every day, you know your your uh, coworkers, other people, uh, your board of directors, whatever that is, that you know, really trying to get and listen, and not just you know, not just hear people uh, because you can check it off your list to show that people that you're doing that, you right. know, because you, you don't want just to have a, to show people that I've been out, I'm listening, but to really take it to heart. Right. And, and really, you know, there's always elements, whether it, what, what they're saying is fully what you can do, but there's always elements that you can kind of pull out, you know, and fibers you can kind of pull out and say, this makes a lot of sense is to, is to, is just keep listening you know, so listen, ask questions, and then try to impact change. Because when you're coming in the very beginning, there's always that little bit of you know arrogance that you pull in, and and uh, you know, and and I've certainly had that um, where you you think that you, you, it's not as much that you think that you know everything because you certainly don't, but you don't want to let people know or think you know or give the perception that you don't know. Right. Well, it's a balance of power, right? Right. Yeah. And and. You know it's okay. You know, and I think that it's a stronger, stronger leader when you um, when surround you yourself surround with people that are smarter than you, right? Smarter <laughs> than you, and that, and that, and can and challenge. You know, where it's constructive, challenging, and it goes back to that collaboration. You know, you can be the CEO, but that doesn't. It's not a you know, you, it's not a top-down position, and I think that's just one of those things that I learned, you know, early, but. It, it continues to work in progress. I think that's something that we always continue to, you know, work on. But I, I'd say that's important. It's it's fairly basic, but I've no, seen I think it that's super valuable. Time that that time after time where um, people just um, they think they they're the smartest the motion, person in the room. Yeah, they right? think they're, they yeah. and they, they think they're the smartest person in the room, and they just go through the motions. But but it's not genuine and not authentic. And I think those are things that just you know we're all not perfect, but I really aspire to to do those things day in and day out. It's very important. I agree. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's James. been my this pleasure. It's been uh, great. I really appreciate you having me on your uh, this exceptional podcast. Thanks. It's and really cool. You got a lot of great podcasts to listen to, so I would give you a... A, 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 a thumbs up? A, 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 a thumbs up and a uh, and a shout out to, cool. to listen to all your other podcasts. I so appreciate so, that. Yeah, Thank so. you. What's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, they can uh, reach me by... Uh, email okay so uh at j-r-o-s-e so that's jrose022 at gmail.com okay cool
All right. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a quick review. And feel free to hit me up on Instagram if you want to continue the conversation. I look forward to hearing from you guys.